Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Penn State takes on Indiana this weekend. Maybe some of the wind is out of the sails of a portion of the Penn State fan base, but that doesn't mean there aren't four incredibly important games coming up. We're going to talk about that recruiting Ryan Snyder's best bets. It's a, uh, I think they call this a potpourri on the BWI Daily Edition. I don't know what it is, Ryan Snyder, but Fridays in the middle of the afternoon, apparently my internet reaches zero. So I apologize if there are any connection issues if there's any lag issues today but my computer i guess is feeling a little bit like me i got my covid booster yesterday so i am lagging behind ryan you gotta you gotta bring the energy today for me okay i know the feeling uh, last week was that was my week uh last tuesday or last monday tuesday was miserable so uh, i will do my best with that uh best bets was good last week so we're we're back in winning ways which is good hopefully we can keep that running and, uh, you know, there, there's some recruiting to talk about. Not a ton right now. It's we're just is, that, it, is it the away I mean, game? Of, is it the away game or is it just November? Is this just a slow month? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, we, we do okay. definitely see this in November where it's all right. You know, you're two thirds of the way through the season. You got to finish strong. I mean, th- there's a lot of focus there. And then you also have the, the you know, the, the, the kids obviously are focused on their playoffs, you know, that and that really, really kind of. Um, you know, shift their focus to that more and more. Uh, so this is always kind of a slow period. But then you also just have Penn State's classes like pretty much done. You know, there's only right. a couple. There's only a couple scholarships left. You got 2024 guys who you know a lot of them are all fully in that. Let's take official visits mode. So yeah. it, you know, nothing really expected anytime soon. Uh, is that kind I, of I, the I know. difference here in this month? Sorry to cut you off. Is that kind of the difference? Is so 2024, you've got a little bit of ways to go to build kind of the board and really flesh that out with junior days coming up in, in the winter. So it's kind of the lull of low class size, and then 2024 is still a little bit off in the distance. Um, yeah, with the occasional guy that pops up, like we saw last year, maybe committing during the season, but that not the case for kind of the typical flow. I mean, Penn State's always been in this rhythm, right, where their spring and their summers are massive. They pick up a ton of commits. They have more committed players than the vast majority of schools out there. And really, it's you can say that about all of the, the top top schools, right? I mean, if, if you look at down the committed list out there, it's it's usually the top 15, 20 schools in the country that they they fill up first. And, you know, everybody else kind of fills in after that. So it, it, it's part of that. It, there's definitely... Um, you know, some of that to it. And then, like I said, you got playoffs out there. You got a bunch of 2024 guys who, I mean, there are a bunch of 2024 guys Penn State would take right now, uh, but with so many, with so many other schools still evaluating film and then telling those 2024 players, Hey, you know, we really like, uh, just want to see a couple more games. It gives those guys a reason to, you know, dream about that Alabama offer or whatever it may be. And yeah, it's just, it's just naturally always a slow time of the year. It feels slower right now. I think because normally, in September, for example, like last year, we saw a couple commitments. We just saw a little more movement yeah. earlier in the season. And, you know, now we're going on really August, September, October, 
now start in November where, you know, not really any commitments. Yes, we had Zion Tracy, but it, for the most part, it's just, it's just been really quiet and it's still kind of going to remain that way. Uh, we, you know, we can talk a little 2023 today and resetting the board and things like that. But the reality is, is that uh, December official visits, I feel like, and maybe, maybe that Michigan state game uh, that that's when things should really start picking up again. Although I do want to say that that Maryland game next week, uh, two, two, Maryland's a quality team. Like I, I'll be very curious to see that visitor list. We should start getting a good feel for that Tuesday or so. Um, because I feel like that's, you know, they're a better, better team than, than Michigan state. You never know what the weather is going to be like the weekend after Thanksgiving and not even can right. guys travel the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, so I'll, I'll just be very curious to see what that Maryland list looks like next week. I expect Penn state, uh, to push hard and, and try and get as many guys as they can on campus. I also feel like that game should be three 30. It's not announced yet, but when you look at what's left out there as far as the available time slots, ABC, FS1, and Fox all have a 3.30 slot available compared to just really the big noon uh, is available. That's going to go to Michigan or Ohio State. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ranting here, but it should be a 3.30 kick next week. This is all great information because I've got my nose about an inch from the page watching film and kind of hyper-focused on internal things so whenever anyone can give me information that is just outside of my blinders i love that and you and greg are great with kick times and stuff like that so i, I appreciate that um this time of year i know we're going to get into 2023 in a second but what, what are you working on given all that stuff we just said and, and what is your job kind of detail when you get to these types of moments in recruiting mm -hmm. because there's never a lack of things but it's just what you're focusing on i imagine um that's a good question. So I would say, you know, we're still definitely getting reactions from the last two weeks, obviously there, and that'll go probably a little bit in early next week until we start building that list. Um, you know, obviously we're always in, I'm always in contact with, with coaches and people, obviously I trust people in lash, things like that. But uh, it's also, we're also at a point where, uh, the season is really, I mean, we're in the thick of it. Yeah. You know? Like we're, we're yeah. coming really in the, in the, the back third of it so i just try not to overly bug you know because i know i just know down the road i'm going to be doing that right so just trying not to not to just go all bored and, and and be annoying i guess you would say so really i mean i i think the main thing is just trying to figure out who's those next couple 2023 guys who are going to get an offer you know that has a lot of my focus right now um uh, you know is there is a kevin haywood or dominic nichols you know going to decide to end it randomly right now no signs of that but that kind of stuff you know what, what's going to surprise me i guess i guess you would say is is what you're trying to keep in the loop with while also not being a nuisance when you're you know this far in the season things are getting you know the, i was trying to say people are slowing down but you know what i mean like it's just right it's a lot you know so the last thing you want to be is that annoying recruiting reporter uh just annoying people at nine o'clock at night when they're tapped out, if that makes sense. So uh, I, I would, I would really say just trying to, trying to figure out who those 2023 guys are, who's that next guy going to get an offer. And, you know, the Keyshawn Blackstocks, the Chris, or Chris Johnson's who we're all going to talk about here in a second, you know, the Quintrell, the Quintrell Travis, who they just offered, like, where are those guys at? And, and, and yeah. the information we can get back from, from Penn State people. Uh, that's probably has most of my focus as well as Sean's right now. So let's get into it. Uh, 2023 mm -hmm. guys, there's only a few spots left. I know that there's a lot to happen before um, maybe even a commitment comes through. But what what does it look like? Kind of give us the the broad view of the off. Let's start with the offense. What's going on there? Mm -hmm. You know, still 
for the most part, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, you know, obviously with Joey Schlafler, Andrew Rappier committed, tight end's a great spot. Jackson Smolik's having a very good season. They feel good there. Uh, and, you know, even interior offensive line, of course, they, they feel good there. So it's really trying to get a tackle. Uh, you know, running back, we, we've talked about Chris Johnson and Kedrick Briscano. Uh, recently, Kedrick Briscano um, just got a offer from Penn State the other week. Still feel like Ole Miss is probably the team there. Not – you know, there's really not a whole lot that's changed over the, the recent talks that Sean and I have had. You know, I will I will say that there's been a little more talk recently about Christopher Johnson, December official visit. We were really watching for him to take uh, potentially come up here for the Ohio State game or the Minnesota game. Neither of those visits happened. You know, Penn State's really now kind of seems to be aiming for early December if they can get that to work. You know, uh, one thing I will say is Chris Johnson, of course, uh, he's a South Florida prospect. He is going to Miami this week. I'm, I can't remember if it's an official visit or unofficial, but uh, I just feel like we should get some really good info out of where Miami's at after this weekend. That's going to be something that I will be bugging our guys down there uh, who cover the Canes about uh, really probably Monday, Tuesday, trying to get a better feel for that. At wide receiver, a lot of the same guys we've talked about. Edwin Joseph, of course, for Shaman Madonna. Devin Hyatt from IMG Academy, who just came up for the uh, whiteout game. Uh, Isaiah Johnson, uh, Virginia prospect. I don't, I'm not sure if he's a corner or a wide receiver. I think more of a wide receiver, but I think labeling as an athlete is probably the right way. Uh, he's from Thomas, Thomas Jefferson in, in, in Richmond, 6'2", 175. I think more wide receiver, but I just don't want to. Uh, totally overlooked defensive back with him. Uh, I do believe Johnson is coming up next weekend for the Maryland game. That was his plan, at least. I need to check in with him. It's been about a week or so until we've done or since we've done that, but I do expect him here next week. And he, he's a he's a rising 2023 guy. Virginia Tech seems to be the favorite there, but uh, North Carolina, Michigan State, or a couple of schools to offer. I believe South Carolina is another one. Uh, so just be curious to see if Penn State makes a move there. Right now, I, I kind of think it's more so. He's in that like Rodney Laura bucket, I guess you would say. Of we're going to monitor him. I'm not sure if we're going to throw an offer out there right away, but let's see what happens. So I also I don't want to. I, I I hint about this probably more than I should, I guess. But like wide receiver Kenny Johnson committed to Pitt, Dallas yeah. Town. He Penn State was was trying to get him on campus the past two weekends, uh, the Minnesota Ohio State game. He did not come for either, which I think really speaks to his commitment uh, to Pitt. But I just I don't I don't want to overlook that one because there's still something going on there. Uh, you know whether he has a lot of interest or little interest, or whether Penn State would even like fully take him. They just want to get him back. That's still something I'm trying to sort out. But I just know that Kenny Johnson uh, communication hasn't quite ended yet from from what I'm hearing. So keep an eye on keep an eye on him. But but Devin Hyatt. Devin Hyatt's like the total wild card. I have no idea. I have no idea. No one has any idea. He was supposed to commit to South Carolina back in the summer. Guys has gone completely quiet since then. And then you have Edwin Joseph, who Sean and I have talked about regularly. I, I as of as of what two three as of the bye week when Penn State went down there to see him uh, or see his coaches. You know there was a lot of positive talk that Penn State is the school. Edwin Joseph wants to come to Penn State. That's coming off of his official visit, of course. It's just gone really silent since then, which tells me that Penn State likes him, but probably isn't ready to take him. They want to see what else is out there, too. So I just I see a lot of guys that I mean, like right now, when I go over those, all those guys I mentioned, like Chris Johnson, the running back from my from South Florida, like he's the only one that feels like a surefire take out of that group. Right. And, a lot, and then a lot of others who they like but just want to see a little bit more. So this so, is why this is why the patience thing is important, because right. 
this is what they're you're looking at something that you don't want to make a decision about right away. Is that the same situation on the defensive side, given where Penn State started with some of their prospects and where they are now, or guys kind of bubbled to the surface and mm-hmm. it's more about timing on that side. What, what What's the situation on defense? For, oh, definitely same with that. Oh, actually, I, I do want to say one guy I do want to mention too before we move to defense is Keyshawn Blackstock, of course, okay. the uh, um, junior college offensive lineman uh, out out there in, uh, I think it's Coffeyville, uh, Kansas, something like that. It just w- with him, there's a couple things I'm hearing. One, NIL is becoming a bigger uh, factor in that recruitment. So how will that impact Penn State? We'll see. There's right. a lot of talk that Oregon is emerging there. Oregon certainly has NIL money. So that talk about Oregon and then some of the stuff I'm hearing um, you know, from our end of things tells me that there's something with Oregon uh, from an NIL perspective that has his attention. Uh, Penn State is aiming to get him for an official visit that first or second week of December, so we will keep an eye on that. But uh, with Blackstock, there's just more and more talk about NIL potentially impacting that recruitment. So let's keep an eye on it. Uh, Over defensively, man, defensively, I feel like there's only like three guys, maybe four guys that absolutely – we have to watch it. And, and they're mainly a defensive lineman. Quintrell Travis, of course, who Penn State offered last week from Iowa Western. Uh, then you got Joseph Mapoy, a senior prospect from, from St. Thomas Moore. And then, you know, there's there's more and more talk that Penn State's still in communication with Jalen Thompson, Michigan State commit. Of course, Michigan State's really struggling this year. So I, I don't I don't want to speak on that too much yet because we're still digging on information, but I've just not completely slept on him uh, or don't want to overlook him. Uh, Travis... The, the junior college D tackle, Nebraska seems to be the favorite, uh, but I do believe Penn State's going to get him on campus for a visit. They're working on that with him now. Another guy that points to probably December uh, being the timeline there. With, with Mapui, I mean, we, I think Sean and I have talked about him on like five straight podcasts now. Uh, they like him. They just they don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to come in and make a yeah. difference. And this is a position where – they need difference makers. I mean, it's the same with Quintrell Travis too. The uh, same with Jalen Thompson would be there's, there's a lot of guys that they like a lot, but you know, say uh, some coaches get let go. They're able to get a couple stud guys on campus. You know, that's why you can't take those commitments yet. Um, you know, because you, because you're, you're aiming higher basically is yeah. the easy way to say it or the uh, correct way to say it really. So mm-hmm. let's keep an eye on it. Uh I, I I don't really see. I mean, Auburn was in the in the mix with McCoy. Obviously, Brian Har- Harson just got fired. I, I don't. Who knows what's going to happen there with him? I mean, he feels like Penn State's to take. It just right. it's just going to depend on if if other guys pop up. And then yeah. just last guy. I mean, the only other guy ran is KB on Keys. Really, the, the linebacker committed to North Carolina just <laughs> just came up here for the whiteout game. Good luck figuring it's, that one out. <laughs> right? Yeah, another one where yeah he pops up on campus. I mean, there's interest there. There's I've I've had so many people just consistently talk about like, hey, yeah, we we we're getting good vibes. We're getting good vibes, and then it's just the opposite happens with Keys. You know, like the whole he comes up in July for. All right, comes up in June for the official visit. Awesome, awesome talk out of that. You know, Penn State was like expecting him to get him in July, and then boom, he goes to North Carolina instead of Penn State and then commits to North North Carolina. So just, I mean, the one thing I'll say is I can always get Penn State's out of it. We don't have a North Carolina site here, and and that does matter. Um, You know, I'm I'm hoping on three gets one at some point because not having, not being able to communicate with people in the loop down there just just makes it more difficult for for a guy like Keys and trying to figure that out. So... 
Uh, we'll see. Uh, KB on keys. Uh, he certainly has real interest in Penn State. He would not have came up here for the whiteout game if he did not. But, uh, you know, expecting anything from him over the next six, seven weeks or, or any like real news, uh, I, I would say is it's it's hard to figure out right now. Not done. Just waiting with the class of 2023. Um, and here we were saying, oh, what are we going to talk about today? And and I think we have a thorough understanding of the situation and right. the landscape right now. Always appreciate your insights, Ryan. <laughs> it's like a thorough understanding, but I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over. And I'm trying to. Here's, trying the, here's to the thing I've learned, news. though. Here's the thing I've learned, though. You have to repeat yourself because people don't people don't hear it the first time. Um, <laughs> some of the comments, and this is going to get into the next thing we're going to talk about is, you know, we've talked about Sean Clifford all this week and said, Sean Clifford may not be good enough for where Penn state wants to go ultimately, but right now he's the best option. And all anyone hears is you guys are Sean Clifford defenders. And like, that's not yeah. what's happening. So yeah. when you say it enough times people do hear, and with recruiting, um, I've had some conversations with people on the message board of saying, it, things that are uh, things that are truth right that are not there's no way that could be a truth that is a hope and that is a possible outcome so mm -hmm. reinforcing these things ryan i think is very important and that's one of the things i've learned uh in my first year on the job which by the way happy one year anniversary this week for blue white illustrated joining on three this has that's been true. a wild ride uh the best year of my life without really? exception this has been so much fun and so gratifying. So thank you to you specifically, and thank you to Blue White Illustrated, and thank you to everybody who's made all of that for me possible. But I know that this has been a, a blessing for all of us joining the On3 network. You're kicking ass, buddy. I appreciate <laughs> it. So you are. I'll be honest, man. When you were like, we want to, I want to do an everyday podcast, I was like, no, this is not <laughs> happening. No way we're doing an everyday podcast. And you, think you, you were completely right. I was completely wrong. Uh, now on days like today, when I'm saying the same thing five times, I'm, you know, this is my, in my head, I'm like, see, T-Frank is why we don't need one. But when we get a bunch of people listening and watching and our numbers keep growing, you keep showing me that I am absolutely wrong. So cheers to you, my friend, you were completely correct. I was completely wrong and uh, appreciate everybody for watching, listening, liking, Hey, I'm giving a promo read. You, hear you that, did it. <laughs> I, I did forgot. it. I did it. <laughs> read uh, our please like and uh you know please uh subscribe on the bwi end as well so one of these days i'll figure it out one of these days you beat me to it today so i'm gonna take that as a win <laughs> um here's the thing though you know there, there's there's other things in the world and uh the phillies played last night you are a huge phillies fan what's happened what's i i'm not a baseball guy as people <sighs> may have guessed but like i did watch game three that was the most exciting baseball i've watched because i usually and watching minor league baseball locally in the park. So I don't get to see like the best of the best, but that was super fun. And it seems like the bats have died since then. What's going on with the Phillies in the world series. Greg, Greg left every, every Greg's <laughs> attended a bunch of games this year and all the games he's attended down there. Uh, you know, they, they've crushed it uh, with home runs. I think he's been to, I think he's been to a playoff game in each of the rounds and he was at that game three. Awesome night. You know, I think that was maybe the best uh, Phillies moment we've had since 08. And then, yeah, Justin, or, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, who's the pitcher? Uh, Christian Javier uh, destroyed uh, the 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 Phils the other night. I mean, they got no hit, and and now it, it just feels like, uh, you know, they, they really let Verlander off the hook last night. He 
constantly allowed hits, a lot of uh, runners on with two outs, and he just kept getting out of it. And you know that that's uh, that's how playoff baseball works often. But you, you got to make them pay, and and they weren't able to make Verlander pay last night. So uh, I'm worried because Wheeler, Zach Wheeler, their their star pitcher, of course, he's definitely not right right now. He's facing some fatigue. Uh, Phillies game a couple extra nights of rest, but he's their game six savior. And, uh, you know, he's not, doesn't appear to be a hundred percent right now. So, but Hey, this is what's fun about it, man. If they can just somehow win this game, uh, boom, game seven, Saturday night. Uh, I'll be honest, or I guess Sunday night, excuse me. Um, don't expect anything from me Monday. If the Phillies are playing <laughs> Sunday night, because <laughs> that's all I'm going to care about. Uh, or at least I'll, I'll get up correction. I'll get something up Monday, but it's going to be like a late in the day because uh, we're going to have a late night Sunday, but I'm just hoping they can get there. But you know, the, the fan in me is, is hoping that, but the realist in me thinks that the Phillies let one get away last night and uh, game six is going to be hard for them to win in Houston. So we'll see. Well, I may be watching. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you will not be watching. Anything. There's going to be college football on Saturday night. There's going to be <laughs> NFL on Sunday night. It's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, You know, if the Phillies weren't in it, I probably wouldn't be watching it much either. I mean, baseball has become such a regionalized sport. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the game. My, my kid, my oldest loves baseball, and that's that's been really fun. Uh, he only played one year of T-ball, but, like, he absolutely loves Bryce Harper and stuff now. So we've enjoyed that. But uh, I, I completely understand, if you're not a Phillies fan, probably why you're tuning out right now, too, because you're like, why am I listening to this on a Penn State podcast? But, uh, you know, it's it's that time of the year. It's Indiana week, too, right? I mean, after right. Minnesota and Ohio State, what else are we supposed to talk about? Fr guys? It's Friday, week. Friday of the Indiana week. And here's the thing right. is like uh, by any metric, this is it. This, this is the next thing I want to get to before we get to best bets. And it doesn't have to be super long, but by any metric, I've looked at a bunch of engagement, all of the things. After the game to Ohio State, people's interest in this team took a nosedive from yeah. where it was all season, even in you know the bye week and leading into some of these games after the first loss. Yeah, it has flatlined people's interest in this it team. Has. But is that is that valid? And I understand the no. frustration with with another possible ten and two season. But you do have to get there, Ryan. And and what's the value to you? I don't care if this is a recruiting perspective or just a perspective of, you know, a, a large view of college football. What is the value of this final season to you or this final month? Excuse me. Yeah, incredibly valuable. I mean, 10 and 2 with an Orange Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, maybe even a Rose Bowl on the line. I mean, and that's why I like the, the Drew Aller talk is really interesting to me because a lot of people that I really respect, like some of our best message board people who for a decade plus now, I feel like really make awesome points all the time. You know, they're really all in on the Aller talk. And I just don't like, I get it. Like Sean Clifford hasn't been perfect, but he's not been absolutely terrible either. I mean, it's like what 16 to six is his ratio. Um, you know, TD, the interception is, I mean, I mean, those interceptions last week, I mean, how many of them were his fault last week, T. Frank? <sighs> Another. So I've come around to half. I've come around to okay. two of the turnovers were his fault. I, okay. the, the batted ball to me is the one where I, I'm totally on board. If you want to say that he's supposed to get the ball around the, the defensive end. James Franklin mentioned that as well. But what happens when you bat a ball tends to be like it's bad. That's one of the things that you always you see the quarterback. He panics, right? Because the ball is just loose. But mm -hmm. it is a bit random. If you look at what Zach Harrison had to do to catch that football, it was a double bobble. It was going over his head. It is a bit of luck 
But I understand if you're yeah. putting those on him, I'm not going to argue about that. But when people yeah. just cite four turnovers and one of them is a strip sack from behind him where he can't see, and the other one is uh, the defensive end's not supposed to be there and he has to throw the ball for the timing of the play. You know, like, I don't think you're being objective about that. But fans, they don't have, they're not bound to objectivity the way you and I are. Mm -hmm. So that's how we get into these conversations of, hey, we're not Sean Clifford supporters or otherwise. We're just being objective about this. And the pushback is, you're Sean Clifford Homer. And like, <laughs> this has been a fatiguing week for me in every single conversation I've had, whether it's on TV, here on the podcast, other radio shows I've done of like, it's all been about that. And I'm like, can we just step back and say that one of the reasons you lost to Ohio State is you didn't have a right tackle that could block JT Tulamoliao for four quarters? Yeah. Because that's right. a huge part of that. And, Sean, and Drew Aller is not fixing that unless he can play right tackle, which I don't think he can play right tackle. Um, so that's that to me, that's a huge part of this that people want to ignore. And that goes back to the actual talent gap between the two teams, which opens up a whole nother frustrating, angry can of worms when it comes to, well, why aren't they on that level? And, and you know, mm -hmm. then we're into a different conversation that ultimately leads back to Sean Clifford in a circle of misery. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's a hard level to reach, man. There's only yeah. three or four teams that are. And I say it every year and I know fans, I want to hear it. I mean, my, my thing is, I think, I mean, I absolutely still believe Sean Clifford gives you the best the best opportunity to win 10 games this year. I, I do, and I know people are throwing stuff at their laptop now or whatever <laughs> their phone watch listening. But, I mean, I, I know Drew Allard and his family, I think, as well as anybody out there uh, or anybody connected to anyone outside the football program or, say, media member-wise. Uh, you know, I... I I, I think Drew has all the potential in the world. I just, from talking to people, I just don't think he's there yet. And I think Drew and his family, um, you know, like, I, I don't think like, like, I think a lot of people feel like if Drew's not playing, he might seriously consider leaving. And I, I don't think that at all. I, I think Drew, I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that would, uh, you know, would, would peek into the portal a little bit faster than, than Drew would. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's nothing there that fans need to worry about. I think another thing is fans need, fans see that six for eight against Ohio. And a couple of the throws, I think maybe the, the first throw or two against Purdue. And they've yeah. had that in their head. And maybe even the Auburn. I think what he had, we went two for two against Auburn. But, you know, in Central Michigan and Michigan, it's not like Drew was lighting things up in it. You know, like, I mean, I think yeah. he had 10 throws against Michigan. And it, it wasn't bad, but it's it's not like there was substantial improvement over what Clifford, Clifford was providing in, in that the same, game. So I just, the same problems were the same problems. The offensive line struggled to block mm -hmm. that pass rush, which caused sacks. And I think right. for the first time, he he looked a little intimidated by the moment where he his his footwork and his, he didn't look confident. Like he had looked calm and confident. That Michigan game was the first time coming in the fourth quarter of a blowout where, you know everything's on him. I'm not saying that this is a negative. I'm just saying that this is a freshman <laughs> coming into mm -hmm. the situation. And I think that's right. a reasonable expectation. Right. So I, I just, I, I, I trust if Franklin doesn't I, look, Franklin would play the guy. If, if you, if he really was that guy, I, I think people just think there's so much loyalty to Clifford. I don't think that's really it. I mean, look at, look at, I mean, there's so many examples over the years of, of, of freshmen beating out other players. And I understand quarterbacks different. I think a lot of a lot of this goes back to Will Levis too, and and yeah. you know never give Will a shot, and you know look at Will's become, and I think that's added to added to the pressure of, of fans yeah. just thinking this is all Sean Clifford. But Will Levis, it wasn't. First off, Will Levis isn't. I like Will Levis a lot, but 
I, I still don't think Will Levis is as great as people make him out to be right now. And and Will Levis um, is still substantially improved compared to what he was here. Go ahead. Yep. No, I was just pulling up some supporting arguments to that of okay. this season. He's come down to earth a little bit in terms of his his production, and he's in the same ballpark as Sean Clifford. If you want to just look at passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, he's got 13, uh, 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions, including three against Tennessee. Uh, and again, he did not play well. 98 total yards as a passer in that game. Like as bad as Sean Clifford has been at times, he has been better than like he hasn't bottomed out so far this season and again i'm not saying that sean clifford is better than will levis or that will levis might operate better in this offense now than he would uh you know previously i think this offense might actually work pretty well with will levis but at the time of the decision none of this presented itself none of this was there and a good mm -hmm. opportunity with a good team made him into a good passer last year but again very overstated and tools, this is this is the thing where we slobber over tools in the NFL draft process. And I understand that, you know, for every Josh Allen, and by the way, Jalen Hurts has made that transformation. He could not throw the ball accurately. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. That's the reason he lost his spot to two to a tongue of Aloha at Auburn. Mm -hmm. And he has he has made himself into one of the more consistent, accurate, excellent passers in the NFL. But those guys are exceptions to the rule. And Will Levis, his decision-making going aggressively downfield, there is a certain amount of, I don't trust that, that I don't know if you get that out of him. And mm -hmm. these are the decisions that James Franklin had a, a hand in seeing in practice that we didn't see as much of. And ultimately, you know, he thought he could get more out of Sean Clifford, which, again, leads us back to... Do you think that now? <laughs> right. Do you think that now? Uh, but let's get to best bets. We, we've got to get to some of the other things. I do want to get to. Well, hold on. One thing I want to say, and I, I don't, uh, this isn't the end all be all, but I found it interesting. If you just look at their PFF grades, Clifford's a 76.2 and, and uh, Will Levis is a 67.6 right now in the season. Just interesting. Yep. I'm not saying that's everything, um, you know, they're, and they're not. I mean, there's, there's mistakes with PFF grading, but uh, it is interesting to me right now that Clifford actually grades out higher. So, yeah. Yeah. Next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get to it. I think this is going to be one of the best seasons Toledo's ever had. Uh, we'll do the official play. will be minus seven and a half first half. Degenerate, I mean, sometimes watches a little Hawaii, you know. Uh, Stanford. I'll, I'll, I'll lay 12 with Stanford. Vanderbilt stinks. I had them last week against Notre Dame. That was a winner.
Mr. Snyder back in the win column. How did we do last week? Tell us all about your victories. Yeah, four, two, and one last week. So much needed. Uh, we're pretty much back to 517 and 18 on the year, 58 and 47 all time. So we're pretty much back to, to, to 500. Like I said, one game below. Uh, I added some plays last week. Remember, T Frank, I had my plays and then I added them. I know yeah. you're trying to work right now, but uh, I actually, if I just would have went with my four originals, we would have been three and one. So my other, my <laughs> other three went one, one, and one. Uh, so I guess that actually brought down the uh, the stats a little bit, but uh, we'll take it four, two, and one. I'm happy with it. And uh, yeah, now we got to go on our run. This is this is what we did last year. Remember, November was when we got hot, and uh, you know we 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 padded those stats a little bit. So let's do it again. So here's what we got this week. Now that we figured out college football. Florida at Texas A&M, Texas at Kansas State, Oklahoma State at Kansas, Auburn at Mississippi State, and of course the game of the week, Penn State at Indiana, which we'll break down afterwards. So let's start Florida mm -hmm. at Texas A&M. Um, talk about some overrated teams throughout the year so far. Where do you see this landing? Right. Yeah, I, I I think Texas A&M is the more overrated team. So give me the point. Uh, give me the points. Excuse me at, at, at plus three and a half. Uh, I just think A&M's dead. Uh, I I took A&M last week against Ole Miss and you know they had every opportunity to win that game to you know start changing the way their season is you know maybe push for a bowl game and they just flat out laid down in the fourth quarter and let Ole Miss go away with that game it showed me a lot uh Ole Miss ran for 390 yards last week against A&M you know where you know where Florida ranks right now in rushing they're third in the whole country uh, averaging 5.9 yards per carry so I love that stat uh you know and by the way, AM, this isn't like 390 against a, uh, against Ole Miss is not uh, uncommon. You know, they're 121st in the entire nation right now in rushing defense. I mean, there's a lot of uh, analytical stats, too. I mean, they allow incredible amount of explosive plays. Their defensive line is not getting any push uh, at all. And uh, now you're going to go up against uh, one of the best rushing teams in the country. Uh, we add in Anthony Richardson, of course. He's like the most one of the most explosive players uh, at quarterback. I believe Florida is top five in uh, explosive plays right now, rushing too. So uh, just just a lot of stats right now pointing in Florida's direction. And then uh, you know when when you look at the what's ahead too, you know Florida still has a good bit of, to play for. Uh, they they have they have games against South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and of course their season ender against Florida State. You know they they can realistically get to eight and four, and you know which would be a good season. Uh, you know under under the new head coach uh, Billy Napier, of course. So. I like that, you know, and and it really kind of starts this week. And then when you look at look at A and M, they still got Auburn left, they got LSU left. Uh, I just I don't see like if this if they win this game, like it's not they're not building towards anything, you know. It's right. just this season is already a bust. I don't see any reason for them to be excited for this game. And then, like I said, you know, Florida just yeah they they lost last week to Georgia, but I mean they did even fight Georgia a little bit. Actually, that was the game we pushed last week. Uh, losing by 22 but there were times in that game where florida showed some real fight so anyway give me the gators plus three and a half they're on the road uh but this is a noon kicks so i don't expect any crazy crowds and just when i look at the motivation between the two teams i, I think florida's in a better spot right now uh texas at kansas state texas getting two and a half points on the road so the slight favorite here what do you think mm -hmm. about this game yeah, I'm, I'm going to take another road uh, road team with this one. Give me Texas. Uh, Kansas State's right. coming off a massive win last week against Oklahoma State, uh, which is keeping this spread down. I mean, to me, this spread should be probably closer to four. Um, I, look, I think Texas – look, if if Quinn Ewers does not go down against Alabama, they don't end up losing to Texas Tech, 
And, you know, they, they blew that game against Oklahoma State uh, last week. And, and that's on, you know, Quinn was part of that game. But, you know, but who knows? If Quinn Ewers stays in that game, maybe they end up beating Alabama. Like, my, my point here is just I, I think Texas may be the best team in the Big 12, uh, definitely from a talent perspective. They may, may not They may not win the Big 12 this year, but I think they're a really good team who one or two bounces the other way would potentially be a playoff team this year. So uh, just – I think Kansas State had their big win last week. Um, you know, I, 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 oh, by the way, Adrian Martinez is out there or potentially out, uh, their, their quarterback. And then also linebacker Daniel Green is potentially out for Kansas State as well. Go ahead. What, Adrian, Adrian Martinez is still playing football, right. like just blows my right. mind. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. But they're, but they're, but their best linebacker may be out as well. Of course, they're going against B. John Robinson, one of the best running backs in college football. So, uh, just, I just, I look at the two spots here. And uh, Kansas State coming off the win they had last week, and and, can't, and Texas still has a lot to play for. Texas can still make the Big Twelve championship. Uh, give me, give me the, give me uh, the Longhorns is minus two and a half. Auburn, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, uh, pick them at Kansas. So what do we got on this matchup? Yeah, this is uh, pretty much you know minus one ten, minus one ten. You know, pick, pick your team here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kansas here, and this is really one of the few. After uh, all season fading them, you faded them to start the season no. for like four straight weeks, wasn't that? Right, but I, who I've been also fading Oklahoma State all year. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm yelling into my mic all the time right now. But uh, but Oklahoma State's the other one that I've been fading all year. So um, look, I, I just this is another one where look at the schedules, look at what. Look at what's ahead. Look, there's a couple of things to look at here. One, Oklahoma State has eight starters potentially out for this game. So even if one or two of them play, I mean, they're going to be missing at least five, six starters in this game. So that's a massive thing, including quarterback uh, Spencer Sanders. That's massive. Their defense has already been pretty bad this year. Uh, you know, now they're missing potentially. I think they're missing both their top running backs. I think two wide receivers, two of their four top wide receivers, and Spencer Sanders are supposed to be out. So their offense has taken a massive hit here. Their defense has been trash all year. Um, Jalen Daniels, uh, Kansas quarterback, potentially back for this one, even without him, though, Bean's been fine. So uh, I just, and then when I look ahead, like this is Kansas's best opportunity to get a win and get to a bowl game. And mm-hmm. and that's that means something for this team after all those years of nothing, after all those years of two one-win seasons. Uh, to get a bowl game means a lot. Uh, they still have to play Texas, Texas Tech, uh, and Kansas State. And Kansas State, Texas Tech are on the road. Texas is at home. So, you know, they, they, they have a tricky uh, three games remaining here. I think with all the injuries at Oklahoma State, this is, uh, this is their opportunity to get that sixth win. Also, by the way, <laughs> Oklahoma State beat Kansas 55-3 to last year. So I know that doesn't really support what I'm arguing <laughs> here. But I also just... Yeah, that's an ass whooping and you know, yeah. they're, they're going to want to redeem that. They're going to want to uh, get back at that. So with all the injuries, uh, Oklahoma state's poor defense, uh, Jalen Daniels, potentially back for Kansas. I'll, I'll go with the Jayhawks here. Rock chalk, baby. And uh, you know, both these teams I've been fading all year, so I'll probably end up losing it, but who knows? Let's see. <laughs> Let's go Auburn at Mississippi state. Auburn, uh, this is a this is a big spread. What, what are you thinking here? You know what I'm taking here. Give me Auburn, baby. Uh, let's go to <laughs> War Eagle. So, <laughs> so I'll always doesn't matter what the sport is. If a coach uh, gets fired, I'm betting that team the next game. I mean, it's pretty much NBA, college basketball, NFL. I don't care what it is. Like I, I'm usually on that team the following week. Uh, a couple things here, though. Uh, one thing, uh, 
Mississippi State really has struggled off of bye weeks over the years. It kind of makes sense too. They're a rhythm offense, right? Quick short yep. passes, uh, you know, fast paced. They've struggled. Uh, I, I I was reading a stat the other day. Mike Leach is the least profitable coach out of all the coaches right now uh, when it comes off of bye weeks. Like his team loses, uh, whether they're you know a favorite or against the spread, he's the least profitable coach in the country right now. Uh, coming off a of bye week. So that that's interesting to me. I think that just speaks for the offense. It doesn't matter what school he's at, whether Washington yep. State back in the day, Texas Tech, uh, his teams always struggle coming off a of bye week. So I like that. Uh, one other thing too, what does Mississippi State do well? They can pass the ball. What can they not do well? They don't run the ball. Well, that lines up perfectly with uh, Auburn's strengths and weaknesses as well. They cannot right. stop the run, which we saw against Penn State, of course. And then they actually have been pretty good against the pass. So I think from that matchup, it stands up pretty well. And then, um, yeah, I just, I just, I like, I think this spread should be closer to nine or 10. I think 13 is a little too high. Uh, so just, yeah, give me, give me the, uh, give me the Tigers, baby. War Eagle. Let's go. It is such a matchup specific thing with, with uh, any Mike Leach offense because it's, mm -hmm. it's, our, talk about a system. That thing is just formula. formula. It's all formula. Mm -hmm. And you can, if you're paying attention, you can beat it with math. Um, and, and that's not entirely true. Like players can make plays, but at a certain point, if you just run certain coverages, you're going to frustrate that offense. I can't beat anything with math. So anyway, <laughs> let's get to our game of the week. Penn State getting 13 points on the road at Indiana. Uh, so what is you, what's your feel on this game and where are you going? I have no feel. <laughs> you should know this by now. I am That's terrible at picking. I am. I guess what? Guess what game I lost last week, guys? Penn State. Of course, I took. I took uh, Ohio State minus the points, and Penn State covered with that backdoor touchdown. So yeah, we are now zero and five. I think on the year picking Penn State games. So just continue to fade me. Um, you know, there's part of me that wants to just pick the other team from here on out, right? And yeah. I'll either be the guy that. Penn State fans fade and get a win for, or I'll win one or two. So I don't know what to do here. I mean, definitely my pick is Penn State in this one. Uh, yeah. Now, but but there's weather that that really concerns me here. We're looking at 18 mile an hour winds, 70 80 percent chance of rain. You know, also is this a potential letdown spot for Penn State? I mean, there there's there's a lot of reasons to think that this would be one of those games where they just they have a crappy first quarter and they don't get things going until the second quarter. But then I also just look at Indiana's offense, which is terrible. So bad. Um, so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to probably – I mean, I'll, I'll throw out a couple stats here. What, how do we say the quarterback's last name? Uh, I've been saying Connor Bazelik. Bazelik. Okay. Um, he's just terrible, guys. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, he's got 14 turnover-worthy turnover throws on the year compared to just nine big-time throws. Uh, you, you, you don't want to see that ratio. Uh, 54 per, 54.6% completion rate. Uh, he's, yep. he's only Spencer Peters has been sacked more than him. So their offensive line isn't very good. Their wide receivers have 18 drops on the year. That's the and most of the big 10 and they're hurt. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it to you, T Frank. You've, you've been doing this way more than I have as far as evaluating. I think Indiana stinks. Uh, oh, by the way. Oh, oh, just one last thing. Uh, Indiana rushing the ball. They rank 128th in the country. So you got yeah. all four levels there. Their offense is not good. Um, but hey, man, I'll throw it to you. You you know better than me, but I, I think Penn State should cover this. They should. So this this is a game that I I'm with you. I would stay away from for a bunch of different reasons. The weather is one of those things, and then Penn State's offensive line. The situation yes. there, like if I had any clarity about Olafashanu, Caden, I don't Wallace, think Alou's going to play. 
Sorry to yeah, catch you it off. Doesn't, it doesn't I don't think Alou's like going to play. I'll say that so, right now. I don't think he plays. So that's a that's a huge problem. And mm-hmm. India. So, but this this is the quandary, right? So you have a wild card there, and who's going to be the guy? Are they going to kick Bryce after over? I don't think that's going to be the case. They'll probably want to keep everyone where they are. Uh, is Salim Wormley going to be playing healthy in this game? If he plays, yeah, I am convinced he has not been healthy for at least two weeks. Uh, and then is it Drew Shelton? Is it Jimmy Christ? Who's at left tackle? I, this is not a good defense from a pass rushing perspective, but if you've got young players in there that are not ready, then it doesn't matter. Uh, they're going to get a certain amount of pressure, which makes this defense operate well, and it's just, which is what leads to Sean Clifford's biggest problems. Now, the last two weeks, again, aside from the turnovers, he had some of his best production under pressure in terms of throwing the football accurately down the field and completing big passes. He's been generating offense, even going back to the Michigan game where he didn't have enough attempts because they never had the football, um, but he was able to throw the ball down the field to Harris, uh, to uh, Trey Wallace and get a big play. So so there, there's just conflicting things in this game. But let's go back to the Indiana offense because I hate this offense so much. <laughs> I know we just got done talking about Mike Leach. It is Mike Leach adjacent in terms of it is all passing. It is gimmick. It is uh, smoke and mirrors and subterfuge. That's the only, this is duct tape and uh, wishful thinking is what this offense is in a lot of different ways because they throw the ball short all the time and they run tempo. These are small advantages you're trying to gain. And it's more about making the other team make a mistake than beating another player with skill. And let me just say, that is what Indiana needs to do. And I don't begrudge them for doing it, but I hate watching it so <laughs> very much. Because you'd think throwing the football, and, and, and Connor Bazelik has thrown the ball down the field more than any other quarterback, uh, tied for the most of the Big Ten with 43. He's completing 25% of those passes. His average yards per pass on throws down the field 20 yards is 8.7. So... <laughs> Just the, the math there of it's not one for one. Like he's not getting 20 yards per pass. He's not getting 17. He's getting eight yards every time he throws the ball down the football wow. field, meaning Did most of them that. are dead. Most of them are dead. And there's so many dead plays because of the problems that you accurately uh, described. And we talked to Zach Osterman this week on the BWI Daily Edition, giving us the, the inside look at some of the things that are going there. Maybe a quarterback change, maybe some changes along the offensive line to give that some juice. That is pure speculation at this point. But when I went back and watched the film, it does make sense. They need a running threat at quarterback because half of their plays are what's called inverted, where the running back is not the primary ball carrier. The blocking is set up for the quarterback. And and that's not Connor's skill necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little bit Lamar Jackson. Think of like that's kind of the style that they're doing up front paired with traditional basic inside outside zone. What they're trying to do is spread you out, create fissures and then break a tackle through minimal contact. Again, it's a trick. It's not, we can block and and we can run. Uh, the running backs are actually good, but you wouldn't know that because the rush, the running game is so bad. And without any receivers, it's not all on the quarterback. They, they don't have a deep threat. So they're just suffocated. Everything's short. Everything is man coverage. They love to run pick plays, but they don't always work because the athletes doing them are not going to break a tackle and go for a big gain. So Penn State has to pay attention in this game. They can't come out flat or fall asleep. To me, unless there's a change fundamentally in this offense, it's dead in the water playing Manny Diaz 
and what he's able to do with, uh, you know, especially zone running, which is the bulk of what they do. That has been the one thing they've hung their hat on defensively in a run scheme is just shutting that down. And it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. A one dimensional offense like this. And the one dimension is short. It's not necessarily run or pass. It's just anything under 10 yards. I don't see how Penn State, like I'm thinking if the offense can put up and sustain some drives, this could be a shutout. This could be like we're, we're talking 10 points maximum. Um, from just from what I've seen on film. Now, if Penn State comes out and plays poorly, any anything's possible. So that's kind of the offensive side. I don't see a path to points for them if they just stand pat coming out of the bye week. Defensively, going back to the offensive line, I have no clue. So um, what they do is they create confusion with some pretty fun coverages to watch on film. But if they don't get a pass rush and they blitz a lot, they're set up to stop the run. Big physical defensive ends, not necessarily pass rushers. Big body mm-hmm. defensive tackles, but they don't sustain that throughout their depth. Um, Cam Jones is hurt. Aaron Casey's good, but he's one player. So are they going to stop Penn State? They're a really good run defense from being in position, not making mistakes, but they get out-athleted a lot. So Nick Singleton has to out-athlete somebody this weekend. That has to that for Penn State to get the, the outcome you want, it this is a break off a 60-yard run because that's possible. Blake Corum was able to do it. They've been able to do it against, uh, you know, other teams have been able to rip off runs. They have 106 missed tackles, but they're a good run defense. If that makes any sense whatsoever. uh, (laughs) 106 missed tackles, but they're a good run defense. Sorry. Go on. I apologize. No, but it's, this is, this is what's frustrating. It's what's making this such a hard read for me is like, I watch their Mm -hmm. defensive tackles. They're in their gaps. They make it hard on you. You can't get to the linebackers all the time. The linebackers flow really well. So like inside zone to me, that's going to be a problem. Outside zone, they defend that really well. Gap and counter schemes, the linebackers flow well. So this comes down to me. If you've got a young offensive line that is not playing well, it's on Clifford again. And and I am beginning to trust that a little bit more, especially in this particular situation the last two weeks. But I don't trust it. (laughs) Like, I trust it more. I don't trust it. So... The skill players for Penn State, again, it's another week. The skill players have to play well. Parker Washington breaks tackles. Bretton Strange, the tight ends, all that stuff. Penn State has the talent and depth advantage, but I just don't know enough about the depth at certain key positions to say that this is going to be 45 to 10 because that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be, but it's somewhere between 45 and 24 given the offensive line. And, and the weather conditions. So that's, to me, that's the margin there. And I still think that they can cover, but it's going to be a game-time decision about the offensive line. Yeah. No, I I wrote earlier in the week, I thought it would be a little bit bigger than that, but reading up on the weather more, you know, yeah. seeing no lieu of practice and things like that, uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think if, I think if Penn State gets to 24, they'll, they'll safely win this game. Uh, but I just I, I do wonder with that offensive line. I, I mean, I, I mean, is it a Tangwall going to be back? I, I don't I'm not expecting I'm not him sure. back the rest of the season. <laughs> like for okay. me, I'm not expecting that based on the context clues I have. Now, that could be I could be wrong about that, but we haven't seen him in practice. He left the game in a pregame warm up injury. I mm-hmm. that's not a common thing when you're just going thud, barely thud at that point. So. That's something that I think has been that to me that informs his play this season of why I was a little bit disappointed in him. And I I even said before he was out, is there something wrong with him? Because he doesn't have the same power and strength that he did last year. 
and then he just mysteriously disappears. So mm-hmm. those clues, I don't think he's coming back, which means you're down to Norzad and and uh, uh, Wormley at guard and Efner and question mark at tackle. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Juice I Scruggs Caden, can... I, I think Caden was back at practice this week, but like he, he was. just was dressed. I wasn't at practice, so I mean, was he doing anything? Did you see anything? Was he you can check out or? our... You can check out our Penn State football highlights, which are on uh, the YouTube channel. It's two minutes. I talk about the offense. You can see. No, no, no. (laughs) This is a great promotional opportunity. Uh, You can see what he did at practice that we saw. So he was participating, but I don't know that I would call it participation of uh, the most extreme extent, you know? So it's somewhere between not participating and full participation from what I observed. Uh, But that doesn't mean anything because we get kicked out. We were watching a lot of special teams practice, you know, right. like we were watching special teams for half right. of the practice with the offensive line. Yeah. Which is why I do not drive up there anymore for practice. <laughs> I'm not that ever since I moved down here, obviously you guys are all up there, but uh, if we saw a little bit more, I'd be interested. So, okay. Well, yeah, man. I mean, I, I uh, this is a game that Penn state should be able to cover, but there's a lot of signs that uh, it, it will be one of those games where, uh, you know, maybe they're only up 10 midway through the fourth quarter or something like that. So yeah, a pick, it, a pick they, they six, certainly something on yeah. defense, a defensive score could is is absolutely on the table in this game. So, all right, my, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 24 10. My I, my pick earlier in the week, I think, was 31 10. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take a touchdown off of that and go 24 10. Penn State just barely covers, and uh, you know they they maybe get a defensive touchdown or or maybe I, I do think they can get a couple interceptions or or some sort of turnovers off of Indiana from what I've seen, but uh, you've seen a little bit more of them than I have. But they, that that'll be massive, man. The secondary pulling in a couple interceptions, setting them up in good field position. You know, maybe getting two field goals out of it, whatever it may be. I do think it'll be important in this one. So um, yeah, offensive line, man, and that's as it goes back to the Aller thing too, like. It, with three offensive linemen and you know Salim Worley maybe banged up too but still playing uh do you really want to bring Aller in that situation right now when uh you know four of your five starters seem to be either banged up so they're out or banged up to the point where they're not playing at 100 percent yeah I, again I don't know if that's a good situation for him so we will find out together on that one and, and a great we place will. to go by the way is bluewhiteillustrated.com be on the lines then message form you get the exclusive pre-game uh, insight from our guys on the ground. They'll be telling you who's in street clothes, who's warming up, who's not warming up, what condition, who's in a sling, who is in a boot, who is in a hat. They'll tell you all that stuff coming up this weekend. And I just found this out yesterday. Uh, Sean Fitz is going to be joining me on the post game show. I, I thought he was going to the game, but he's staying back. So he'll be with me uh, breaking down everything, taking your questions post game on the BWI live post game show coming up directly after Penn State and Indiana. Tune in and give us your thoughts. We will take them. However, they are, uh, despite the fact that I think something different than you doesn't mean that I won't listen. I try to be an open minded person. So we'll be taking your questions and thoughts on the BWI live postgame show coming after after the game. Ryan, thanks for being on today. And I had a good time. I, I feel like I just got the juice to get me through this. Like the yeah, I was going to say you were great. <laughs> you perked up. It's my yeah. wife's birthday weekend. So I got to go out and celebrate and bring the juice now and be a good husband and dad all weekend. So uh, I'm going to go. Maybe a little bit of gin and juice too. (laughs) Oh, definitely some gin and juice. We'll talk to you tomorrow.